Hello everybody, this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we're talking Manhattan, and we're going to the legal side here today, Johnny. We're going right to the source to, to find out what's going on, because they see it all. They see all the contracts. Well, this, this is really where the magic happens, and uh, especially today, because you have to have some kind of magic to actually get something happening. So yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation. There's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes, so it's, it's, it'd be great to kind of pull the curtain back and see um, what's going on. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm just starting out here looking at the chart room here, John. Inventory is at 51.77. We keep going down. This, this would probably be over, over 7,200 at this point or 7,000 at this point and right. going higher. So, um, you know, we're going to keep doing these podcasts over the weeks to come. We're, we're kind of halfway through this, uh, four or five weeks in. Um, hopefully, another couple of weeks we'll get out of it. Um, and where is this number going to be when we get out of it? you know, inventory is going down. So that's, that's one thing buyers need to understand out there is they're not getting as many options and not, not every seller is hitting that bid. But a person uh, is joining us today. I got Stephen Matz here from Cats and Matz. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I, don't, I don't know the official statistics, but I think Cats and Matz is involved in 99% of the uh, residential transactions in the city. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Stephen, but I think that's the, uh, the unofficial figure. No, yeah. we're, we're, we're busy, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're busy, but, you know, we have wonderful colleagues as well. So. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. And listen, um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, about what you guys do, um, and then get right into it. What are you seeing out there? Sure, sure. Well, we are, uh, as you might know, a, a residential real estate law firm here in the city, although we do have a pretty active practice in uh, in the Hamptons, on Long Island, as well as Westchester. Um, and uh, we also have a banking division. We represent 23 different lenders on, on, on the mortgage side of things. Um, you know, we, we, we are, I guess, on, on the front lines. And um, it, it, it's, it's all about creating the relationships now. We had them before, and, and it's been a very collegial environment. As you probably know, there's really only a handful of, of us that do just this. And, and, you know, you're right. The same names do keep popping up. Um, we actually, uh, just to let you know, before I, I launch into things, um, there's a group of us of, of, of I call it the usual suspects, um, who are meeting now twice a week to share information. These are, you know, colleagues, but yet competitors. And if anything good comes out of this, well, there's several things that may be okay that come out of this. It's really uh, a sense of community. And I don't want to be cliche because that's not my style, but it is, it is, it's to a level I've not seen. We're sharing riders. We're sharing due diligence. Uh, uh, hey, have you done a, a deal in such and such a building? I can't get in there wow. every minutes. Um, so, you know, it's really been a wonderful experience, but um, you know, a lot of what we're seeing is similar. Um, hang on one second. No, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of what we're seeing it, 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 among our colleagues, is, it's similar. We're all, if I'm on the phone calling an attorney, I represent a buyer and the buyer wants a reduction. And I, I'm waiting to hear what the seller's attorney going to say, knowing full well that a half an hour later, I will be the seller and a buyer is going to call me and say, and start discussing reductions. So right. it, it's really uh, sharing the experiences on both on both sides of, of the uh, of the deal, um, I think what you really can break this down into three different, in order to be organized, three different uh, uh, segments. One is how we're dealing with contracts that are in negotiation, where we're lucky enough to have people that are actually 
wanting to still buy and sell apartments. The second thing is what do we do with contracts that are already, uh, or transactions that are already in contract? Talk about renegotiation and things like that. And the third is how do we really set up the closing? How are we doing virtual closings? I think if I, if I keep it organized in that way, it will all sort of come together and make more sense if that's okay with you. Yeah, so let's, let's go into the first group. Okay, okay, contracts and negotiation. There, anybody who thinks they're gonna go into contract without what we call a COVID clause, is kidding themselves. Wow. Um, buyer or, I'm sorry? What is a COVID yeah, clause? You could COVID clause, it. right. It, it is a clause that we're putting into new contracts, all of them uh, really, without exception, that provides for uh, 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 delays, uh, the ability to delay, the ability to um, change the, the, the uh, time periods in the contracts, and ultimately, of course, change the closing date. Um, you know, we, 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 we've come to, all of us know these contracts by the back of our hand, like the back of our hands. You know, I have X period of time to get my board package in. I have X period of time to submit my commitment letter. Yeah. I have to close on or about such and such a date. Yeah. Uh, even though that's fluid, there's a 30 day parameter there. Throw those out the window, throw them out the window. Um, not to be flip, but I, 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 amongst ourselves, we say all those numbers are fairly meaningless right now because there are so many factors that would go into uh, 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 being able to actually complete a deal. So what we've come up with is a, a, a list of what we call uh, COVID events. So a clause in the contract would be an out, a way to delay without any, any, any penalties due to a COVID uh, event. And there are things like if there was a complete lockdown, I mean, we don't really have that in New York City, but a martial law kind of thing where you really can't leave, um, a government ordered quarantine of other of of parties, uh, one of the parties actually being diagnosed or hospitalized with, with COVID. Um, and then the most important part is I think a, a, a party that's necessary to the transaction, a lender, an appraiser, uh, 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 a transfer agent, someone who's necessary to complete the deal, if they cannot perform their task, then that would be a COVID event kicking in the right to delay and, uh, and ultimately, ultimately terminate a contract because you can only delay so long before you have to give either side a right to cancel. I mean, you know, I'm looking at things like six months. God forbid this thing takes six months. Right. But as lawyers, we all, none of us like anything open-ended. So all contracts are going to have this COVID clause or, or a variation thereof. We've been disseminating this and, and, and uh, sharing it amongst ourselves, and it's gonna be in every contract. Um, some people don't wanna give you six months, some will say 90 days, but so, so it's particularized to each, each unique set of circumstances, but it's going to be there. The other mm -hmm. aspect of, 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 of contracts, um, well, there's two other things I wanna talk about. One is financing contingencies. Welcome back. Uh, oh, I don't no. care if it's a buyer seller, buyer's market, seller's market, they're yeah. going to be in there. I, I don't know a buyer that's going to want to sign anything without that. Yeah. And more importantly, a funding contingency. You know, right. forget my credit worthiness is wonderful. I make a gazillion dollars a year. But if my bank won't fund the loan um, because of an, uh, of an event or a circumstance unrelated to me, i.e. Right. something like one of these COVID events, I should have the right to walk away because of that. That's, right. that's sort of de rigueur at this point. The third thing I want to mention is, is due diligence. Very slowly but surely, managing agents are beginning to uh, email us the minutes. Um, 
Now we know that minutes are often not the best source of information because most buildings don't put anything very juicy in their minutes. Uh, that's why we have our questionnaires and that's why we interview them on the phone, the managing agents on the phone. They're still important to cover. We have to look at what's in the minutes. Um, I remember when this first started, <clears throat> excuse me, about a month ago, uh, I called one particular managing agent. I said, well, I'd like to come in and read the minutes. They said, well, uh, I, I said, would you please email us the minutes? We don't want to come in. Uh, no, we won't email them. You have to come in here and read them yourself. I said, can I make an appointment to come in? No, you can't come in. So it, 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 it's up against a wall. So slowly but surely, we've, we've all developed our own confidentiality agreements. Um, one of the methods is email me the minutes on a Dropbox or something that's going to expire in two hours so that we know it's gone. I, I can read it. I can't disseminate it. Um, that's been pretty successful. So that's been helpful with the due diligence. Um, for the most part, I will tell you that a lot of managing agents that were initially used to doing things the way we've all been doing things for 40 years here um, are starting to become a little more flexible. Condos have been easier because, um, not for the due diligence, but in putting the, the deals together because we are less dependent on a managing agent. All we need them is just to send us to a waiver package at the end of the day before we close. So, mm -hmm. um, but these are the these are the things that are happening for for deals that are going into contract. All right. So let's talk about that for a second, Stephen. Deals that are because I'm most concerned about my fellow colleagues being in a situation where they're lucky enough to get a transaction um, offer accepted, and of course we kick the can now to the attorney side and and we sit there and we pray that everything goes well right? And we could pray for responsiveness and all that. But walk me through what could that agent do right now to make sure everything goes as seamless as possible? Like what is, what does that contract phase look like today? What's causing logistical challenges in that contract phase right now, considering this shutdown or whatever you want to call it. And what can we do as agents to get ahead of that, to expedite that deal happening in a smooth and seamless, seamless way? The number one thing, and this is a theme I'm probably going to talk, I don't know how much time you're going to give me today. I could probably talk all day about real estate, but as, as could you guys. Um, but the number one thing is to convince or persuade people to be flexible and cooperate. There is no way this is going to get done if the buyer and the seller don't accept the fact that this is the new normal, that these are the new rules, and, and, and that's the only way a deal is going to get through. Um, sellers that are saying you know sellers have already taken a haircut from what i know and i'm i'm not i defer to my 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 broker friends and 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 colleagues um you know for for, for a while now this has become somewhat of a buyer's market pre-covid yeah um so you know sellers are selling their their apartments for prices that they didn't want to sell them for anyway they've already taken a cut and now you have buyers saying well i only want to pay x so forth uh, because of where I am. I've lost assets. Um, I'm not as rich as I used to be. Uh, I had, there are too many unknowns of whether or not I can actually even move in. I think it's, if you have an exclusive and you're dealing with a seller, um, the best you can do is to, because they, they'll listen to you guys, um, is to explain that if you really have the, the, the desire to truly go into contract and sell this, you may have to be, you may have to compromise some more. You just may have to do it. Buyers do the same thing. It's, it's, you know, I will get you the protections that I can get you, but understand that 
uh, uh, we have a seller who's already taking a hit and uh, buyers do have more power right now. They, they really do. And a lot of buyers think to the extent that they're, they have a seller over the barrel. It boils down to how badly the seller really wants to sell. Because I think that's really what a broker can do is to try to persuade. And the other thing is with our due diligence, if you have any ins with managing agents, if, yeah. you know, and, and also the clients that are the shareholders or the owners of an apartment, have them reach out to the managing agent. You're paying their salaries, shareholder and owner. So let me ask you one by one. Okay, let's, I just got an accepted offer. Deal sheet. That's, that's the broker's responsibility. There's no right. reason why within three hours or two hours, you shouldn't have full deal sheet information sent out so that you get that torch going. Deal sheet right. done. Right. Okay, you now get started. Contracts, that's virtual, correct? You can deal with that virtually. Of Contracts. course, and, and, we, okay. and, we did, and we did prior. Okay, building, building finances. That I you get can a copy deal of the financials, I get the amendments, I get the offering plan, which between us on a on a 70 year old building are kind of useless, the offering plan, but we get them anyway. Um, but yeah, we, we get the financials, the amendments. I also asked for the board application package. That's important. Okay. The, the condo or the co-op application. Uh, sometimes there's something hidden in there, like a, a condo flip tax that nobody has ever mentioned or known before. I've had this happen a few times, but it's in the board package. So we don't want any surprises. Okay. Alteration agreement is important to have. Sublet policy is good to have. So I get all this information. I can assemble as much of that as I, I can on my own. Okay. <clears throat> the, minutes, uh, uh, the, the board minutes, as you said, is now becoming emailed. So there's, that's, that's one To element. an extent, to an extent. Some, some are still reluctant, but that, this makes the questionnaire that much more important. Most of us in this field that do this nonstop have our own proprietary questionnaires with a lot of the same stuff on there. But it's making the questionnaire that much more important. Um, I've, you know, in the past, I've had a broker or two say, why do you need the questionnaire? What? I said, well, I'm waiting on the questionnaire. Why do you need it? Why is it so important? It's really important because, as I said, boards don't put that much in their minutes. If there's a bed bug issue, they may not put that in the minutes because they don't want to be stigmatized as a bug-infested building. But if I have a questionnaire and I ask somebody face-to-face, -face, have there been bed bugs? That's a yes or no answer. I mean, it may not kill the deal. Tell me where it was and what was done to eradicate it. And it may be a non-issue in the end, but I need so to the know. Viewers know. The viewers know this is the co-op condo questionnaire. It's, it's typically, it's, it's similar with a bank and, a, and legal, right? Those are kind of, there's overlapping things there. there. There's some overlapping things. I mean, interestingly, a bank questionnaire, every bank, by the way, has their own proprietary questionnaire. It's much more focused on debt service and uh, cash flows and so forth. But that bank questionnaire is not asking the things about bugs and leaks, right. you know, quality of life issues. That's what we need to find out. Right. And are um, there, so are there, you know, you mentioned the whole COVID contingency. Are there any of those type of questions making their way into the questionnaire or is the questionnaire still sort of untouched? That's a good question. Well, yeah, we're tailoring the questionnaires. The biggest issue or the biggest thing we need to know from buildings now is are you allowing appraisers in? Um, possibly building inspectors. And the, the biggest issue is, are, is your building currently allowing move-ins and move-outs? Now yeah. that's very fluid because if a building is saying today, yes, you can move in and move out, who knows what happens next week? The numbers turn bad again, heaven forbid. And every building now said, that said they were allowing buildings, that's it, we don't want anybody else in our building. That's what we're trying to find out is what are the current building policies right now? 
Yes, that's a good point. Can I I just follow up on that? Because I think that's a, that's a, it's an excellent point. And there's just so many moving parts that if one changes, it it changes other things. So I'm just curious, let's say, let's say you actually get a closing and then the building suddenly doesn't allow a move in or move out. I mean, how does, what happens then from the contract side? Very good question. If you haven't closed yet. Yeah, very good question. And it's, it's turning out to be sort of one of the number one issues that we're facing in getting buyers to a closing table. So, um, can't do a walkthrough and I can't move in. I'm buying an apartment. I don't really want to close because my, I'm going to say to you, why would I plunk down X million dollars when I can't even get in there to kick the tires? Now, we know that apartments in New York are generally sold as is, except appliances and systems need to be in working order. That, that, you know, that, that's sort of the, the baseline. Um, I'm not talking about estate sales and things that are really as is, but but your average apartment, you know, you're buying the scratches and the dings, you're buying those things, you're buying the chip on the counter, but things have to be in working order, free from leaks and things like that. So I'm a buyer and I can't get in there. I can't have somebody go in there. What are we doing? Well, regarding walkthroughs, we've had a few instances where the super has volunteered to go around with a, you know, with a, with a FaceTime, with, you know, and everybody on the FaceTime, to turn on the stove, turn on the appliances, flush the toilets, open and close the doors and windows. And that has satisfied a few people. Okay, I can go ahead and close. Um, One of the things that we're doing both for people that can't move in and for people that can't do a walkthrough is a tool that we've we've had in our pockets for a long time. And that's, we're crafting agreements very similar to the holdover agreements. You know, we call it post-closing possession agreements. Uh, everybody wants to close, but the seller isn't ready to move out yet. It's really no different than that because we're saying, okay, we'll close, seller can't move out. They might not even be allowed to move out. Escrow is held back pending the ability of a buyer to actually get in there, do the walkthrough. Uh, The escrow is there to uh, fund any deficiencies or defects or damage that was caused before the seller was actually able to move out. That's been successful as well. So, you know, do we love holdovers? None of us, you know, brokers, attorneys, we don't love holdovers. They, you know, I like a closing where you shake hands, you know, here's your keys. Well, fist bump, whatever we do now. Here's your keys, you know, here's, here, you know, here's your money, goodbye, have a good life. That's the best, that's clean. Yeah. Uh, holdovers, not so much. And then our, our brokers, of course, are, are, are now saddled with coming back, however, many days or months later and having to redo this and open the port, but we do them. That's, that's making a presence again, the same tool, but being used in a completely different role. So those are really the two ways. I mean, and I'm going to tell you, there are buyers that say, I'm not closing. I'm not going to close until I can get in. And that's when it becomes a little bit of a battle between buyer and seller that I can touch on if you'd like. So. Okay, so we gotta, we gotta have to deal with that. I guess agents are gonna have to manage their expectations to, to expect that kind of stuff. Um, hey, Stephen, what about um, existing deals? So existing deals that were signed pre-COVID, um, are, are, they, are they going through? Uh, are they renegotiating? If so, what, what does that look like? And any, any color Yes, yes, and yes. Um, I prob I joke, but it's not much of it. I probably spend seventy five percent of my day. Uh, by the way, we're working just as hard as we harder than we ever did for, for less deals. But seventy five percent of the day is devoted to people trying to renegotiate contracts, renegotiate terms, 
battle about actually setting up a closing, um, loan expirations, uh, banks, banking is another whole issue, but, but that, yeah. let, me, let me put that on the shelf for a minute. So you are in contract. Um, you've been in contract for two months, three, whatever it is. You've had a board interview, virtual or not. Uh, you've been approved. Uh, or the waiver has issued in a, in a condo. Um, buyer says, you know what? I don't want to pay this anymore. It's happening. It, 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 and and my, my colleagues that do what I do, again, we're all very collegial at this point. Um, we're all experiencing exactly the same thing. Um, I don't want to pay this. I, I will close if you knock X hundred thousand dollars off the purchase price. Now you should know that the law is not in, that, in their favor at all. Contracts, whether it be co-op, condo, or townhouse, or residential, um, do not have what we call force majeure clauses. In commercial contracts, they are prevalent, not in residential contracts. Force majeure, for those of you that don't know, sort of a simple term is an act of God, um, something beyond your control, you know, floods, tornadoes, uh, 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 things that are, that are really unexpected and out of your control. There's no doubt that this, this, this pandemic would be a force majeure, would be something that active, I don't know, God or whatever, but it is clearly one of the largest uh, uh, components or, or largest factors that are, that are delaying or derailing deals that we've ever seen and hopefully ever will see. So there are no clauses. The law is not on the side of the buyer here. And you should also know that in, in New York particularly, um, you know this honor about closing will be honor about June 1st, okay? And we know, we've all come to accept that that really means 30 days. The interesting thing that people, most people don't realize, there's no law that says it's 30 days. The case law says either side's entitled to a reasonable adjournment. And case law, which is, for those that don't know, are, are the decisions that have been handed down by courts with similar fact patterns to a particular deal have ruled in favor and said, we think a reasonable period of time should be about 30 days, barring any unforeseen circumstances. These are unforeseen circumstances. Could it now be 60? Could it now be 90? So these dates that are in the contract are becoming <laughs> increasingly meaningless. Yeah. So a buyer doesn't have the right to do this. Now, what happens? The buyer says, well, I'm not showing up unless you knock $200,000 off the price. It's all going to go back to how badly the seller really wants to sell the apartment. In the pre-COVID world, if I was a seller's attorney, in order to get the rear end of the buyer to the table, I would send a time of the essence notice, right? Again, those that don't know, time of the essence is probably the most powerful tool we had to compel a closing. Uh, dear buyer, you are in default. You have not set up a closing. You've got 30 days to close uh, or I have the right to keep your down payment. That was normal. Now, right. is it really 30 days to cure or is it more like 90 or 120 days? Right. So we all agree, those of us that eat time of the essence has also lost its punch. So a seller, while the law would be on the side of the seller to, to, to prevail and, and not have to reduce their price, if they keep, if they try to keep the down payment of the buyer, it's going to sit in the attorney's escrow account for God knows how many years until the courts are up and running again in 2023, hearing these cases, and nobody wins. 
the, the buyer's not getting their down payment back and the seller hasn't sold their apartment and who knows how long it's going to take before the seller can resell the apartment. So I've had a number of sellers say, I need to sell. I don't want to sit with this for another year. I'll agree. I'll knock X dollars off the price or I will provide a financing contingency where there wasn't one before. It boils down to how badly it, it, it takes what was once completely legal and makes it emotional which is sort of interesting because we always try to move, remove in the past the emotional component, just make smart business decisions. It's right. now emotional. Yeah. I guess, I guess when you have a, uh, a situation like this, it's hard not to get emotional. Um, what, what about broken contracts? Are, are you seeing just buyers walking away? I have, I have had one deal, one transaction where the buyer says, I'm just walking away from my down payment. So that doesn't seem like a lot. No, no. Um, Buyers feel really empowered. Uh, and I, you know, again, I represent buyers and sellers, so I really see both sides of the deal. You know, it's mm -hmm. like a prosecutor. I used to be a prosecutor. You can see, you get the idea. You know what the defense is going to say. Yeah. And it's, me, it's meeting that middle ground. But buyers generally feel empowered. Like I've got, I, I think I have the seller over a barrel. Um, in some cases, they might. It depends how badly that seller needs to sell. But a buyer, I had one buyer, this is what said, you know what, I'm never going to get my deposit back for a very long time. I'm not closing. I can't close. I've lost my job. My assets are down 30%. The co-op board isn't going to want me anymore. Whatever it may be, I had one person say, I'm just walking away. Um, that's all. Okay. Yeah, well, it's one deal. It, we it, have it, you know, quite a few in the pipeline. I mean, listen, we, we, we pulled the statistics up for broken contracts and we got a very low number. And it made us, it made me and, and everyone that was looking into those numbers question, like, well, that's a low number. Like, that's, you'd expect a lot. And I guess it makes me realize either we're, it's just too early to kind of measure that kind of thing because it hasn't played out yet. Right. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it did break, but for whatever reason, the agent didn't update it. So uh, I don't see it on that end. Um, but regardless, I mean, or, or maybe this is just something where, again, we talk about this often, John, that, that sellers, this, they're, they're going to bide their time. You know, I mean, I know they're breaking the contract on the buy side, um, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I had, I had, I'm sorry. I had one seller where I said, you know, we don't want to close. The seller said, fine, I'm going to rent it out for a year and pick it up and see what happens in a year from now. You right. Know? I've seen that right. happen too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering where inventory is at, at the end of this whole day, what, what, how it comes back. And we, we went into this having inventory as an, as a, as a, as a challenge to the market. There was, there was a lot of supply. There was a lot of sell-side competition. Buyers had a lot of options. It was one of the components of, of the leverage that buyers had. And now, now they have the other components. They got, they got negotiability. They got discounts. But they don't have the options. Yeah, I have. think one of the reasons it's low, broke, broken contracts, as you call them, is low. Is I also think, I, I like to think positively. I, I'm, I am a glass half full kind of guy. Um, it speaks to the fact that even if we're putting the pause button on it, um, people still want to be in the game. People still want to buy apartments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, sellers still want to sell apartments. So people are on hold because this is such a fluid environment. I mean, it really, you know, it changes daily. It changes weekly. What is the building going to do? What is the government going to do? Um, the, you know, Governor Cuomo's order that virtual notaries were acceptable was set to expire, you know, Friday. That's not, he extended that by another executive order, extending it out on May 7th. Right. So we were thinking, oh my God, we can't do these e-notaries anymore. Uh, but now 
luckily it's been extended because it, 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 this didn't go away as fast as everybody would have liked it to go away. And there's also talk of when restrictions get eased, I'm hearing agents talk about how their buildings are not going to allow open houses and their buildings are not going to allow, um, you know, any kind of gatherings or showings, mass showings in any capacity. Um, Probably. Yeah, so, open yeah. houses may be something of the past, but you know, by appointment. I mean, aren't yeah. there? I, I, there's a lot of buildings already that say no open houses or you know by appointment only. Um, I guess time will tell. The show, they'll be right. still be able to show the apartments. I'm sure. Yeah, this well, is great, John. You got any other questions for Stephen? Well, Stephen, I hate to disturb you. From you know, I can see you're just relaxing on the shores of uh, Lake, yes, Como, I'm in Lake at George, Como at the George Clooney Estate. I'm sure. That, that's but, it, uh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. If, what are, what are my, some kid, my kid showed me how to play with backgrounds on Zoom because I have no idea. So. Well, there you go. At least, at least you're stuck with one. Sometimes I, I have several cycling through right. when I'm. But uh, just some final thoughts for uh, buyers, sellers, and agents. Yeah, buyers, sellers, agents. Final thoughts. Buyers and sellers need to compromise. If you're really going to have a deal, accept the reality of the world that we're in. It's not the good old days, which was two months ago. It just is not the good old days anymore cooperate, be conciliatory, compromise. If you're a seller, you might have to take a little less money. If you're a buyer, you may need to wait a little longer before you, you know you're set. Um, uh, brokers, you can all help by facilitating that, by cooperating amongst each other. One of the things I mentioned about the group of attorneys I'm in is we're sharing due diligence. If you have a building and you, haven't, you don't have a lot of comparables or you, don't, you haven't been in there in a while or you don't, may not know what the board is thinking or what they might want. Ask your colleagues. You guys are still having all virtual office meetings. Stand up, stand up, or sit down, because <laughs> we're all in sweatpants. From here down, I'm in sweatpants. Um, you know, ask, you know, has anyone done a deal recently in such and such a building? I could really use help. That is, again, it's fostering that sense of community. That is invaluable. You know, yeah. oh yeah, I had a deal there last month. The board really wants to see two times X, Y, Z. And, and, you know, that's going to become so much more important. We all want to hang on to the business that we have, but none of us are going to have business if we don't share the information. And, and, and just to piggyback off that, um, we're telling uh, agents to, to, if you have buyers or sellers that are there, they, they want to transact, right? They want to um, go look at contracts signed in those subsectors of the market in the last two or three weeks and go call all those brokers that are in that subsector that are competing right. with you um, and idea. find out what they're going through and find out what, what kind of hiccups they're having with the, with the, the, the logistical challenges of getting a deal done. And most importantly, what, where is that deal happening? What kind of discount is going on so that you can guide your client accordingly? Right. This is where the intel is gold at this point. Yeah. Right. And, and, Great and stuff. I would stress, use to the extent you can, a New York City-based real estate attorney. If it's not me, terrific, but right. don't let the client tell you they want to use Uncle Joe in Pennsylvania because he's cheap. Amen to that. It's the, it's the <laughs> quickest way for agents to lose their hair is using an outside okay. New York yeah. City-based attorney. And, and trust me, I've had a lot of it, and, and, and here's where I'm at. So yeah. listen, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for, yeah, I can see it on the back there. Right, right, right. <laughs> thank you so much, Stephen Matz of, of Cats and Matz. Thank you for your time. Thank you um, for having me. Everyone, I, I really this is, appreciate it. Yeah, you're great. Thank you so thank much. You okay. Stay safe, be well. This is Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. Be We're safe. talking Manhattan. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.